Welcome to On the Scene with Region 13, our state support team regional podcast. I'm Tracy Vitak, SST Director of Region 13, and I'm thrilled to introduce our newest information format. Each month, we'll bring you a new or emerging topic in education, interviews with local, regional, or national educational leaders, and thoughts to ponder as you move forward in your continuous improvement efforts. So relax and get ready for the newest scene with Region 13. Hello, I am SST 13 Educational Consultant, Mona Burt-Speedy, and I help to support our regional work in the areas of school improvement, special education, literacy, MTSS, and tier three PBS practices. I'm so excited to have Dr. Nicole Dietrich with me today as my special guest. Dr. Dietrich is an education consultant and gifted specialist at Hamilton County Educational Service Center. In a few moments, she is going to answer some questions that will help shed some valuable and useful insights into our topic today, which is gifted and talented achievement, the twice exceptional conundrum. Before she comes on, we know that according to the National Association of Gifted Children, the term twice exceptional or 2E is often used to describe gifted children who have both characteristics of giftedness with the potential for high achievement and exceptional performance and characteristics of students with disabilities exhibiting exhibiting struggles and or significant delays in various areas of academic or social performance that is not commensurate with their innate abilities. Some possible examples of how a student who is both gifted and may have a disability, what that could look like is a student being identified as gifted and also having a specific learning disability or gifted and having a speech and language disorder. We can also see students as being gifted and having an emotional behavior disorder. So any student who is identified as having gifted who may fit that twice exceptional category can also have a disability that fits one of the 15 disability categories. Similar to other gifted students, two E's are highly knowledgeable and talented in at least one or more performance areas or domains. The issue for two E's, however, is that their giftedness is sometimes dominated by their disability and or because of their talent, it may mask their disability, causing them not to be identified or overlooked for special education supports that they may desperately need. The profile of twice exceptional children is, of course, an individual profile, as with any child. Some twice exceptional children with coexisting disabilities may have characteristics that manifest itself in challenges with some of the executive functioning skills, such as organization and long-term planning. Their disability can also manifest itself by demonstrating difficulty keeping up with course rigor, the volume of work, and the course demands, resulting in inconsistent performance, frustrations, and difficulties. So at this time, I would like to have Dr. Dietrich provide us with a brief personal history about herself, after which we will explore some critical questions to help build our listeners' understanding and capacity as it relates to twice exceptional children. So Dr. Dietrich, can you give us just a little bit of a brief history about you and your professional career and what you do now? Absolutely. Hi, Mona. I want to say thank you to you and to SST 13 for the opportunity to be your guest speaker today. Uh, As you already shared, my name is Dr. Nicole Dietrich. I have been a consultant with Hamilton County Educational Service Center since 2010. 
uh, in my role here over the years, I've provided gift of coordination and consultation to many school districts throughout our region. Uh, in addition to gifted certification, I also have certifications in teaching English language learners, as well as a master's degree in special education. So it probably is not very surprising to everyone who knows me that the issue of equitable identification practices and services for twice exceptional learners, as well as other underrepresented populations of gifted students is one that I'm extremely passionate about. So thank you for allowing me to share my experiences with you today. Awesome, I picked the perfect person today. So we're gonna start with a few questions. The first one is, what is your understanding of the concept of twice exceptional? So you already touched on a little bit. Uh, a twice exceptional learner is a student who's both cognitively gifted, but they also have a disability as defined by federal or state eligibility criteria. So again, um, this could include those specific learning disabilities that you mentioned, emotional and behavioral disorders, autism spectrum disorder, ADHD, physical disabilities, and also speech and language disorders. Uh, these bright students who also have learning disabilities are often able to use their strengths to compensate for their difficulties, which, as again you mentioned, masks them from being identified for potential services. Uh, twice exceptional learners commonly struggle with executive functioning skills such as paying attention, switching focus, multitasking, time management, planning and organizing, remembering details and instructions, and also self-regulating their behavior. So many TUI students are also what we call neurodiverse rather than neuro neurotypical. Uh, brain imaging studies actually show that these students demonstrate differences in their thinking, learning, and processing, and they're actually wired differently than their peers. So rather than labeling these conditions as abnormalities of the brain, uh, the neurodiversity movement seeks to change this negative view uh, that often follows people who have these conditions. So the goal then uh, as educators is to eliminate the stigma that surrounds these diagnoses and to help foster student self-esteem and resilience. Awesome, thank you. So what has been your experience in working and or assessing students who have been identified as twice exceptional? So my role as a gifted administrator in districts has allowed me to analyze student assessment data in order to help identify students who may potentially be twice exceptional. It has been my practice over the years to advocate for students who are receiving special education services to be provided with alternative assessment measures, which may lead to potentially qualify for formal identification and appropriate services. Uh, I've also provided many professional development opportunities over the years to educators who want to learn more about the characteristics of 2E students because it, it truly takes a village. Awesome. Um, may I have a follow-up question? Um, how, re how receptive have districts been with your advocating for assessing students with disabilities in alternate ways um, to, to see if they are gifted? I think that's amazing. So um, it's not that they are, um, it's not that they're reticent to identify students. Sometimes the barriers come from actually providing the services. Uh, and we can talk a little bit more about that. Um, 
as you as you progress in the interview here. But um, you know, it, it's identification is just the first barrier. Uh, providing those supports and and services is where it gets a little tricky. Absolutely. Which brings us to our next question. What do you believe are the barriers for students who are twice exceptional to assessing supports in schools and in their communities as a whole? So there are many barriers and um, there are books written on the topic. Uh, I'll focus on a few of the major ones today. Um, because special education and gifted education have evolved separately, twice exceptional learners have a long history of being under-identified and underserved because their initial referral places them on a single educational path. So many students who are initially referred for special education services are rarely referred for gifted testing. And then likewise, students who are labeled as gifted are seldom screened for learning difficulties. Uh, often these students who are twice exceptional, they have high cognitive ability, but they don't perform well academically. So it's been my experience that teachers, parents, and psychologists are almost always surprised when they are informed that the struggling student has demonstrated high cognitive ability. Um, just a little backstory, I once found a, a twice exceptional student in a district by looking through the, the scores from a universal whole grade ability screening. And while his composite ability scored uh, appeared very average, his nonverbal score was uh, in the superior gifted identification range. So when I started uh, digging a little deeper, I discovered that this fifth grade student was on an IEP for a specific learning disability in reading, and he was currently failing in every subject area. Uh, his teachers, parents, the student himself, they were all very surprised to hear that he had this above average ability uh, in nonverbal reasoning and problem solving. The school psychologist actually remarked that in her 30 years in the profession that it was the first 2E student that she had ever encountered. Uh, this was very disheartening to me because I, we, we all know that these unidentified students are sitting in classrooms everywhere. Uh, they feel embarrassed, they feel frustrated, they feel inept. So early identification and services uh, should address both their areas of strength as well as providing academic supports and assistive technology in their areas of weakness uh, that are crucial to their academic success and their social emotional well-being. That's awesome. Then our final question, what are possible solutions that schools and districts can leverage to address some of the barriers that you just mentioned? Great question. So first of all, uh, the effort to identify twice exceptional students early is imperative. Um, prior to fifth grade, when students already feel like a failure, uh, it takes deliberate effort and a strong commitment by a whole team of professionals to identify and appropriately support and serve these students. Uh, collaboration among classroom teachers, gifted ed teachers, special education professionals, psychologists, counselors, administrators, uh, that's crucial to support these learners. Uh, personally, I encourage educators to go broad and deep with their professional learning around the topic of 2E and neurodiversity. Uh, if you are a gifted intervention specialist or teaching advanced classes, it is certain that it is, it is filled with neurodiverse or twice exceptional learners. Um, work with a special education colleague. It's vital that there's collaboration between the special education and advanced academic program departments. Uh, this partnership could cover everything from identifying 2E students to co-teaching staff development and providing roles for um, to do site-based teamwork. 
Uh, it's also important to commit to the practices of diving into these universal screening tools uh, to advocate for alternative assessment measures that may identify gifted students who may not be referred by their teachers. Uh, twice exceptional students almost always fly under the radar. Uh, always use a strength-based approach that views all students through a lens of potential rather than a deficit model. Um, again, understanding neurodiversity or that brain differences are normal and not a deficit uh, is really important. Those are, those are great strategies and solutions. When, um, I don't know how familiar you are with the dyslexia, I just wanna have a follow-up. Do you think the dyslexia law and the dyslexia guidebook could be the first step into possibly looking deeper to identify students as both um, gifted and identifying those areas of um, disability? Could this be that first step in looking more wide lens around 2E students? Or do you think that will have any impact on our 2E students as some of them have been um, gifted in with dyslexia? Oh, absolutely. Just the awareness piece and the focus on uh, students who might be dyslexic as um, gifted learners. Um, I think that it, it can go a long way uh, just again in helping to recognize these students. I know that it is very difficult to actually diagnose uh, dyslexia uh, the student that I mentioned earlier, um, the fifth grade student, uh, we highly suspected that he had dyslexia, but he was not formally uh, diagnosed as being dyslexic. So therefore, although we were able to provide him with some assistive technology in the way of a, uh, a, a pen um, that would read the text for him, um, we were not successful into actually getting that written into his IEP. So I, I do believe that we are headed in the right direction um, with a dyslexic handbook. Awesome, thank you. Um, and as we close, um, first of all, thank you for your time and, and being with us. I don't know if you have any resources you can later send me and we can post them on our website in general, but as we close, are there any final thoughts um, or considerations that you think professionals in the field could benefit from? Um, as you stated, I am a, a, a school psychologist by training. I do remember sometimes having those feelings like, whoa, being very surprised um, when students had those superior cognitive abilities in certain areas. What would be some, some, some some closing words for practitioners as we start evolving in our thinking around twice exceptional children. I love your strength-based um, commentary about looking at it from a strength-based perspective with the, neuro, did you say neurodivergent? Neurodiversity, neurodivergent. Neurodiversity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, what would be some closing words for our listeners as we think about expanding our knowledge base around this, this, this topic of twice exceptional children, which has been around for a very long time? So in addition to, I know I encourage educators to go uh, deep with their professional learning uh, around TUI and uh, neurodiversity as uh, a partnership between the special education and the gifted education um, programs. Uh, but additionally, I, I feel that it is uh, important to pull parents into that education um, to build those parent partnerships because it also builds trust. I think that anytime uh, an educator goes out of their way to individualize something or uh, send a positive note of encouragement or um, a professional development article to a parent, um, that it has 
the impact to improve student performance, uh, student efficacy, and, and even student growth. So again, just those parent partnerships and education really go a long way. Uh, as you mentioned, I do have a list of resources that I will share with you um, that you can put out with the podcast. Uh, I am actually currently leading a book study with uh, Jamie Jackson, who is also a, a gifted consultant with us here at the ESC on Twice Exceptional Learners uh, in today's classroom by Emily Kersher Morris, who also um, hosts the Neurodiversity Podcast. And uh, there are some additional wonderful experts in the field uh, that I can share with you as well. Dr. Ed Ammond, uh, Julie Skolnick with Understanding Comes Calm, and uh, Dr. Mike Postma, who is a twice exceptional learner himself. He is a, the parent of several twice exceptional learners as well. And his website is uh, gifted and thriving, giftedandthriving.com. Thank you so much. I would love to have those resources and we will post them on our SST website. And thank you again, Dr. Dietrich, for being with us today. This is Mona Burt Speedy with On the Scene with SST 13, and we are signing off. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of On the Scene with SST 13. As we continue our podcast journey, we are always looking to provide topics that are timely and engaging. If you have suggestions for topics, you can contact me, Tracy Vitak, through our sst13.org website. I want to leave you with a quote from the great coach Lon Holtz. I never learn anything by talking. I only learn things when I ask questions. We encourage you to take that advice, to be inquisitive and curious and learn daily. So until next time, make it a great day.